Father, we pray for your truth to really settle in the hearts of your people here in this room and online and change us. And I pray, Lord, the truth that we're going to talk about today would capture the hearts of all of your people in this country and around the world. And we'd see a dramatic change in the trajectory of what's happening, Lord, as we see life less and less considered sacred around the world. We ask you to help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we already mentioned, I think, a couple times that this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. What that means is there are thousands of churches around the country that are teaching this morning the truth that all of life, from conception to natural death, all of life is sacred and should be treated as such. So we have this special Sunday that we focus every year on this week on the sanctity of human life, but it's also in the midst of a series that we're doing on the book of Proverbs. So I think a natural question could arise, does the book of Proverbs speak to this subject at all? And I want to read a few verses that actually show us that the book of Proverbs indeed speaks to this subject. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 and 9, first of all, says, open your mouth for the mute, for those cannot, who cannot speak for themselves. Open your mouth for them, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Also, Proverbs 24, verse 11 and 12 says, Deliver those who are being taken, taken away to death, and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his word? During World War II, there were many German, French, and Dutch families who saw their Jewish neighbors being led away to slaughter. And many of them afterwards claimed, but we knew nothing of this. Yet they were guilty because they did not want to know. Because it might cost them. So many moral, upstanding citizens in that region turned into collaborators with the enemy in order to survive themselves. The truth is so many would rather say, let's just mind our own business. I don't want to hear about it. They want to be involved in it. Not realize that you're letting something horrible happen if that's your position. The unborn are among those who cannot speak for themselves. Therefore, they need someone who will speak for them. They need someone who will champion their cause. And if anybody ought to be those who would champion the cause of the unborn and the weak, the afflicted, it ought to be the people of God who have the heart of God. Now, before we get too far along in this subject, I want to say to those of you here in this room and online who have been party to an abortion 
either because you yourself had one or because you encouraged someone to have one. I want you to know right off the beginning of this message that you can find forgiveness in Jesus. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins, whatever they are, and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. No one needs to walk in guilt and shame for their past sins, no matter what those sins were. I also want to say up front that I realize that there are strongly held views on this subject. And I might not be able to change someone's mind in 30 minutes. But I do, I'm asking that whether you're in this room or online, that you at least have an open mind for 30 minutes and listen to what the Bible has to say about this subject. Now, why does it matter what the Bible says? Why does it matter... What the Bible says, well, it matters because Jesus, the only one who's ever risen from the dead, proven that he is who he says he is, God come in the flesh. Jesus says the Bible is the word of God. He said when he walked the earth, the Old Testament was the word of God. And then he promised before he, before he ascended into heaven, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come and lead the apostles to write the New Testament. And it would be the word of God. So Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, says the Bible is the word of God. So therefore, it matters what the Bible says. The Bible always says the truth. I also want to say another thing before we get too far into this, and that is I recognize that the present political climate is so emotionally charged that there is going to be somebody who's going to be angry at me before this message is over. I used to say that there might be someone, but now I say there will be someone because I have many, I have decades now experience. Uh, you might be online and be angry, but I'm just asking you to listen to what is said. And if you are angry, you won't be angry with me. You'll be angry with the word of God. So let me ask you, everyone here and online, do you know what you believe about abortion? Do you know what you believe about abortion? And do you know why you believe what you believe? Let's say a woman that works in your business comes by your office and asks you if she can talk to you. She's very shaken. She tells you she's involved in a relationship uh, with a man who's not her husband and she's become pregnant. She's confused, and she's frightened, and she realizes now that she does not want a serious relationship with this man, who's the father of the child that she's now carrying. And she is frightened, and she looks at you with tears in her eyes, and she says, she says what should I do? What would you tell her? Let's say you're a student at UTA, and a female classmate confides in you that she has been the victim of a date rape. And she just found out she's pregnant and she is visibly upset and she asks you, what shall I do? What would you tell her? Let's say there's a single mom that lives next door to you in your neighborhood. She comes over and wants to talk. 
She's a single mom with four kids, and she just found out she is pregnant with her fifth child by her husband who just walked out on her and wants nothing more to do with her. And she tells you how she can't afford another child. In fact, she can't afford the four she's got, and she can't afford to miss a day of work or she'll lose her job. And she looks at you and says, what do you think I should do? So what would you tell her? As you think of what you might say in all three of those examples, I want to remind you of the Proverbs I just read. I want to read them again. Proverbs 31, 8, and 9, open your mouth for the mute, for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Proverbs 24, 11, and 12, deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? Does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his word? Now, you might be thinking, well, if I try to convince her in either, any of these examples, if I try to convince her not to have an abortion, I might offend her. And I'd say, yeah, you might. But you'll be honoring God and you'll be honoring what is right and she will come back later to you and, and just basically thank you for what you did. Again, before we jump in a few more verses on this, I want you to know that almost every reason that a person can give for ending a pregnancy could be applied to a toddler or to a two-year-old. See, a parent of a toddler could say, I didn't sign up for this. I don't have the emotional energy for this. There's a lot of things I've anticipated doing, and this, this gets in the way. This is throwing a wrench in all my plans. This is separating me from my partner. This is costing me more than I can afford. So you could use all those arguments for a toddler, but there's nobody I think in this room or nobody I think even online that would say that would defend the rights of the mother to kill their toddler and say, well, if that's the reason, yeah, you should do away with their life. Now you might say, well, there's a big difference, Gary, between a toddler and an unborn mass of tissue. And I would say, is the unborn just a mass of tissue or is that a baby? Before we go any further, I just want you to watch this 4D sonogram. Go ahead and play that. That's inside the womb. Does that look like a massive tissue to you or an, a baby? So I think, I think if we just required mothers around the world who are considering abortion, just before you decide, watch this video of what's inside you. I think that would just about eliminate abortion in the world. Some of you guys remember the story. It was a shocking story. It shocked the nation in 1994 when Susan Smith let her 19... 90 miles to roll into nearby John D. Long Lake, and she purposely drowned her two sons. The three-year-old 
Michael Daniel Smith and a 14-month-old Alexander Tyler Smith. And her motivation, when they asked her later why she did it, she said she did it so she could have a relationship with this man who happened to be a local wealthy man who did not want children. So she killed hers. Now, if you were to ask anybody then, I think even ask anybody now, is there anybody that thinks that was okay to do? Is there anybody that thinks that it was okay for Susan Smith to drown her two sons so she could have this affair? I mean, is there anyone that say, I don't want to defend the rights of a mother to kill her children if they get in the way? I don't think, is there anyone that would do that? I don't think so. Not any rational person. You know, maybe the children were an inconvenience. Maybe the children were keeping her from getting her, having her boyfriend. Maybe they were keeping her from pursuing her career. Maybe they're just in the way. But do any of those reasons make it okay for a mother to kill her child? And I would think that people would just overwhelmingly say, of course not. Of course not. I'd say, okay. What if they weren't three years old and one year old? What if they were just three months old and one month old? Would it be okay to do it then? I think the whole country would be outraged. No, it's not okay. Okay, they're not three months old. Let's say they're three weeks old. Is it okay to kill them then? No. Okay, they're not three weeks old. They're just three days old. Can we kill them then? Is that okay then? Is it okay for a country not to be outraged if a mother kills them then? No. Okay. How about one minute? Oh, it's okay, just one minute. How about one second? How about one second before they're born, as they are being born, also known as partial birth abortion? Is it okay then? See, when would it be okay for a mother to kill her child? When would it be okay and the nation not be outraged by this? Now, as Bible-believing Christians, we know that all of human life is sacred, all of human life, from conception to natural death. Now, what makes it sacred? What makes human life so valuable? Let's look at the Bible here. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let the rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. What distinguishes man from animals and makes him uniquely valuable is that we have been created in the image of God. That's what gives us value. Above all other creation, we have been made in his image. So we're not like animals who behave instinctively, We are rational, we are moral, we're able to distinguish between good and evil, right and wrong. We are spiritual. We've been made in the image of God. And that is what gives us value. That's what gives all human life value. That's why we say all human life is sacred. It must be valued because all human life is made in the image of God. In fact, Genesis 9 verse 6 says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed for... In the image of God, he made man. No one is to shed the blood of another because why? Because they're made in the image of God. That's why. They have special value. 
Only God can take out a life. Only God. So therefore, it is a direct violation of the commandment of God, thou shalt not kill every time an abortion is performed. I want you guys to see something. There's, there's a website you can go on on your own called worldometers.info and see real time something that's going on, something that they actually can track statistically what's happening right now in real time. And one of the things that they track in, uh, among a, a long list of things is the number of abortions happening worldwide. Do you want to see real time what it looks like? Go ahead and put that up there, Abby. See that counter? That's worldwide abortions this year. That's since January 1st. That's 24 days, 2,411,000 and counting. And every time you see that count go up, that's another baby. Another baby being killed. And my question is, where's the outrage? There's no outrage. And the reason why there isn't outrage is because so many people do not know the truth about abortion. There is a conspiracy of silence. People have been purposely kept in the dark, not even allowed to see the sonogram, encouraged not to even look at such a thing. And I tell you who is the leader in this conspiracy of silence, and it is Planned Parenthood, and they are evil. Part of this conspiracy of silence that is going on around the world is our four lies, particularly most Americans have been told and fooled by. Here's these four lies. I want to walk through them. Lie number one. Lie number one is abortion is not the killing of a personal human life because the unborn is not personal, human, or alive. Again, what the Bible says very clearly and simply is that the unborn are quite personal, quite human, and quite alive. Psalm 139, verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. These personal pronouns matter. You wove me in my mother's womb. I'll give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. The prophet Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, Again, for I formed you in the womb, you, you, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Luke chapter 1, 41 through 44. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb. Not the mass of tissue quivered. The baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. I mean, the Bible is very clear. The unborn are living, they're personal, they're human. And you say, well, what about people that don't believe the Bible, Gary? Does science also confirm that the unborn are living human beings? You know, it's interesting. At the U.S. A US congressional hearing in 1981... 
Scientific experts around the world testified about the beginning of an individual life. Dr. Jaime Gordon testified, and I quote, But now we can say unequivocally that the question of when life begins is no longer a question for theological or philosophical dispute. It is an established scientific fact. Theologians and philosophers may go on to debate the meaning of life or the purpose of life, but it is an established fact that all life, included, including human life, begins at the moment of conception. You know, I've mentioned this before. There's a video clip that you can access on YouTube called The Silent Scream. The video shows a sonogram of an actual abortion, and it's horrifying. The unborn baby in this video, and you can go on YouTube, and it's still there. I checked to see if they've taken it off. It's still there. And you can watch this unborn baby try to avoid the actual instruments of the abortionist until finally the baby is captured and then is in agony and screams the silent scream in the womb, obviously in pain as their body, little, her, her little body is being torn apart. So many physicians that saw that video and walked out of that, that viewing room to never again do an abortion because of what they saw. So show it to all of them. Some years ago, I, was, I spoke at the, at the Venture School here in Arlington. There's a class full of pregnant teenage girls. Many had, had not yet decided whether or not they're going to keep their baby. I was invited to speak, and I was, I was invited to come and give them some information they weren't going to get anywhere else. And, and, I, and part of what I did is I showed part of that video, Silent Scream, in that class. I said, you need to see this before you make your decision. You need to see this. I got, after that class, and there was probably about 25 girls, I got, they wrote me letters. I still got them. They wrote me a stack of letters. And every girl in the class, except one, every girl in the class thanked me, saying, thank you for telling us the truth. No one's told us this. No one told us this. And they all said, because of this, we're going to keep our babies. All except one. One went home. Her mother was outraged that I was allowed in there. And she got working those phones, and she got, you know, you know, inti- you know, intimidating people in the school board system and so forth, and I was blackballed, never to get allowed to go back in that classroom. Because one woman threw a fit. So now, conspiracy of silence continues. So the more you know the truth about the unborn and what actually happens in abortion, less likely anyone will make a choice to have one or to even be involved in offering one. There was an interesting article in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram where this physician at a hospital in Fort Worth was involved with a team of physicians and nurses saving and a premature baby, five-month-old baby. He talks about how they rushed around the room. They did everything they could do, and they saved the baby's life. And how gratifying that was, and the baby's stable. He said then he walked down the hallway to another room where they were aborting a five-month-old baby. And he thought to himself, wait a second, we just saved a five-month-old baby because he was human. Why are we allowing Five humans to be killed down the hallway. And he wrote this. He just wrote it. He just wrote his experience in the newspaper. 
the end it was saying, what are we doing killing five-month-old humans? If the unborn baby is personally human and alive, should be protected. Let me address line number two. Line number two is this. Even if abortion is immoral, you can't legislate morality. Therefore, there should be no laws against it. By the way, in several polls conducted over the past several years in, a, in our country, the majority of Americans agreed, to, you know, rather question, agreed to this statement. Here's the quote of the statement they agreed to. I personally feel that abortion is morally wrong, but I also feel that whether or not to have an abortion is a decision that has to be made by every woman herself. Now, if you really just stop and think about this, this is really pretty thoughtless. Think about this. Stealing and murder are clearly moral matters. To argue that we shouldn't legislate morality is crazy. We do it all the time. Perhaps what they mean is that the government shouldn't interfere in matters of private morality as distinguished from public morality. But what if your private behavior involves someone else? Then the matter is no longer private, but by definition is social. The question of an abortion involves another human being, therefore it's a public matter. Also, what laws should the government enforce? Thomas Jefferson stated this, quote, I quote, the chief purpose of government is to protect life. Abandon that and you have abandoned all, unquote. The role of government is to protect life. Protect life, enforce laws that will protect life. And right now, we have a president and a vice president who don't believe that life should be protected. That the unborn should be protected. Line number three. Laws against abortion would be a violation of a woman's right to privacy. Now let's think about this one for a moment. Do I have the right to commit a crime such as murder as long as I do it privately? Of course not. There are moral limitations to the right of privacy. And surely the right to privacy is not a higher and greater right than the right to life. If it was, then I'd have the moral right to take your life if you invaded my privacy. That's not the case, and it shouldn't be. Last one, line number four. Laws against abortion would violate a woman's right to her own body. Let's think about this for a moment. Does a woman have the right to use her body as a battering ram uh, to injure somebody else? Of course not. See, it's also important to understand that the unborn baby is contained inside the mother's body and connected to the mother's body, but it is not part of the mother's body. It's not part of her body. It's in her body, connected to her body, but it is not part of her body. It has its own body. So there's, you know, I could go on and talk for hours about this subject, but this is some truth about abortion that, that we need to know. So what should we do? How should we respond? Real quickly, number one, we need to find forgiveness. Those of you who've been party of abortion, you need to find forgiveness. See, I realize this. I realize that women more often than not resort to abortion more than they really choose abortion. They do so because they feel like they have no other, thing, no other way out. But we want women to know there's another way. We will help you. We will help you keep your baby. We will help you. you this is not your only course of action. 
And I want to see all of our ministers that do that help, I want to see them all expand at Grace Community Church. But the first thing is to find forgiveness. Those who have been involved, you need to find forgiveness. And Jesus, just repent and turn to Jesus. He forgives and cleanses. You don't have to carry this anymore. And if you're a man and you've been involved in encouraging one or putting a woman in a place where she thought she had a woman because you wouldn't come through, then you need you also bear guilt in this, and you need to find forgiveness in Jesus. So find forgiveness. Number two, take responsibility. First of all, how? Take responsibility. Pray. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil really is. He's the force behind this whole abortion industry. Pray. Pray against it. Also, support pro-life leadership in our country. Think about this. If the number one role of government is to protect life, Thomas Jefferson made it clear, if that's to protect life, that's the number one role of government. How in the world could we vote for someone who will not protect life? Ever. Do your part to tell the truth. Whatever influence you had to preserve the life of the unborn, Speak up. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Speak up. Do it with love. Do it with humility, but speak up. Many of you already serve in the Metroplex Women's Clinic. Our church has been involved. Changed names a few times from Arlington Pregnancy Center, and now it's the Metroplex Women's Clinic. We've been involved for in our fourth decade. We've since the very beginning of this, of this ministry, and will continue to be. And also, you can serve with Embrace Grace, a ministry that I really want to see expand. And, and our community know that they can find help here. You know, our Embrace Grace ministry is an awesome ministry. In fact, I want you to listen to this video before we close. This is a testimony of one of our women from our Embrace Grace ministry. Let's go ahead and play that video. Hello, my name is Jaleesia Raspberry, and I am here to share a little bit about what Embrace Grace is and what it has done for me in my life. If I could sum up Embrace Grace in one word, it would be family. It's a support group for single, first-time moms who have unplanned pregnancies. When I came to Embrace Grace, I had just had my daughter, Juliana. She was about three weeks old. And at the time, I was just still in shock that I was the mother of a three-week-old. I never expected to be a mother. It wasn't in my plan, and it wasn't what I thought I should be. But when I got to Embrace Grace and met the women that were over the group, it really helped change my perspective and helped me grow. Embrace Grace was life-changing for me because even though I had carried my baby for nine months, and had her, I still wasn't sure that I was fit to be her mother or that I even wanted to be her mother. But going through Embrace Grace, I learned a lot about God's unconditional love for me. And I learned that even though I saw my daughter as a mistake, she wasn't a mistake. God had planned her for me all along. So a scripture that is very near and dear to my heart um, that helps or is a reminder for me of my journey carrying my daughter Juliana is Psalms 139 verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you 
When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. It's just crazy how you go from being scared and alone, wondering how are you going to raise a baby because you can barely take care of yourself, to growing into this confident mother knowing that God has a plan for you. And if you lean into God's word and just trust God, that he will put you exactly where you need to be. Amen. Let's all stand together. I want to say one last thing to, to everyone and to those online. If you're considering having an abortion, I beg you, don't do it. Don't take the life of your child. And we will help you. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us all by your Holy Spirit and by your word, that we would be voices for those who can't speak for themselves, the unborn, the orphan, the foster children, Lord, all the way to those who are old and sick and some people think they don't deserve to live anymore, that we'd be the voice for all of those people. That we'd always see life as sacred because we've been made in your image. And we pray, Lord, you would expand the ministries at Grace Community Church to support that. And Lord, we pray for our new president and vice president. We pray for our Congress. We pray for our Supreme Court. And we pray for the spirit of the fear of the Lord to come upon our leaders in this nation. Lord, we pray against this conspiracy of silence. I, we pray for an end to, to this the lying of Planned Parenthood. We ask for truth to reign. Let truth, Lord, once again be heard. Would you strengthen all these ministries that around our country and the world that speak the truth. We ask you to end this scourge in the name of Jesus. So Lord, use us as we go now. As Brian reminds us, we're ambassadors of Christ and we represent Jesus everywhere we go. And Lord, so we pray that you let you help our light shine now in all the dark places that our your people will be in this week. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.